Good morning, and grace and peace and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we have the privilege of being able to gather here today and to hear actually one of my favorite pieces of the Christmas text. So today we're going to wrap up our series that we've been going through of the Child of Promise, and today we end with a royal promise. You probably heard that in the songs that we sang together today. It was obvious in both of the texts that we read, this concept of a a royal promise, this kingly promise that has been passed down through the generations to you and I sitting before the Lord today and taking this time to be able to worship. Let's start actually where we're at in this text. Uh, Nick read that gospel for us, and let's just look at one of the very beginning verses that we have on there. Let me see if I can get my clicker to work. There we go. First verse says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, wise men came from Jerusalem afar. All right, so you've probably heard this piece of the Christmas story before. Uh, These wise men, these kings, uh, these magi that come to be able to visit Jesus. They're called by this star that they see, and they follow it until they arrive where the Christ child is. Now, this is one of my favorite pieces to be able to share with people because it really involves a story about you and me. The story of these kings is a story about God calling people directly to him that aren't just a certain small group of individuals, but it's the, it's the masses, it's the Gentiles, it's not just the Jewish people, it's all people are called to come and see Jesus. You know, this is a very important lesson for us to share, not just with adults, but for us to share with children. So one of the things we do here at the preschool and kindergarten is share all different pieces of the Christmas story with kids before they leave on their Christmas break. So, uh, for example, one of the things that I shared with them was the story of the shepherds, how Jesus calls this group of people that are uh, outside the town of Bethlehem to come and see this great promise. Uh, One of the things that Martha, our preschool director, shared was the story of the angels, about how the angels come and get to be these messengers, and we get to be these messengers to share the good news of Jesus. But on the occasion when we were sharing about the three kings, it was a little bit, a little bit different. So one of the things we do with the kids is we teach them about whatever the story is for the day. And then we have them do some type of activity or some type of a craft that they can think about it a little bit more. They can take home to mom and dad and share with them a piece of the Christmas story. And so for the three kings, we did the same thing. We had them do this little craft, kind of like this little coloring page, some little construction paper to put together a project to take home and share with mom and dad. Uh, I had not taught this lesson, uh, but I was with them on the day that they were going through and they were doing their, their little project. So I was going through and looking at the different little kids, and most of their projects looked like this one here. But I came to one child, and instead of having crowns on top of the king's head, he had these red hats. They looked like firemen hats. And I even asked him, I said, what are those? And he said, they're firemen hats. Okay, so I went down, and then it, again, most of them looked pretty typical like this one. And then I got to one, same thing. This little girl had the three little kings lined up, but they didn't have gold and frankincense and myrrh. They were all standing there holding a fire hose together, the three of them. And same thing, went down. And finally, the last little boy I saw, he said, uh, his, 
instead of having the three you know, kings come on the back of camels, they were in a fire truck. And I, so finally for the last little boy, I said, what is going on with this story? And he says, this is the story that Pastor Mark told us. And I said, this is the story that Pastor Mark told you? And I said, what did he tell you? And he said, well, he told us that the three kings came from afar. you got to watch that southern accent you got there. Three kings that came from afar. No, not a fire. Afar, I told the kids. You know, sometimes, not even just for kids, but sometimes for us as adults, the story or the, the true account of the three kings or three wise men or three magi, and even the number itself, sometimes it can be something that uh, is not only a little bit distracting, but it's something that we can get uh, incorrect from time to time. There's a lot of liberties that have been taken with this story to be able to look at it maybe in a way that, that isn't correct. And I'll get to a couple of those in just a moment. So this Sunday that we're celebrating today, it'll actually begin on Thursday, and I love that we're celebrating it today, because when Thursday comes around, this can be something that's on your mind, this week and going into this next weekend. We celebrate Epiphany today. Can you say Epiphany with me? Epiphany. Very good. Epiphany is the revealing or the unveiling is exactly how it's translating. The revealing or the unveiling. And this is the story that we have at Christmas. The revealing or the unveiling of Jesus, again, not just to a small group of people, but even to those who are afar, to those who are far off. That God calls these kings from the middle of nowhere to be able to make this long journey to be able to come and be a part of his story because he wants to be a part of their story. This epiphany is also the story that you and I share of a God who doesn't just want to remain in heaven, but a God who came here to be Emmanuel, God with us, so that we and him can share the exact same story. It really is exciting because it's a special gift that God has given to us in Jesus. So follow with me how the story continues. It says, In going into the house, they saw a child with Mary his mother, and they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. So maybe a couple little things that we see even just in this verse. You can see when the wise men or the magi or the kings that they refer to show up, that they show up not in the manger, as many of our manger scenes probably at our house typically have them there. They show up, it says, in their house. So at this point, it looks like Joseph has gotten a, a promotion in the carpentry workshop. He's making a little bit more money. He's able to move up from the barn. Now he's inside a house, and this is where they come. And so Jesus has actually grown. He's actually a little bit older. It says that even in our text, even in the original language. He's not just this infant. He is this child that is there. So at this time, maybe Jesus is a, a year old. Maybe he's 18 months old. Uh, by Herod's account, he thinks maybe he could even be somewhere around the age of, of two when he goes after him. And so during this time, uh, again, there's a lot of maybe miscalculations that happen from here to there, thinking about when these guys come, thinking about why they come, and maybe even for who they come. Think about the gifts that are there, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, traditionally, that's why you'll see these three kings or these three wise men or three magi that are pictured, just because of the three gifts. 
But we don't know how many of them came. There could have been three. There could have been five. There could have been 15 kings that came to be able to see Jesus, that were on this amazing trip to be able to find him. What is most important, again, is why they have come. Why they have come. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews, they say to Herod. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Isn't this a great piece of this account? That God has reached out to them, and by faith, they follow the light of God. These men didn't make a trip that was two days or that was a week long. This trip probably took them months to be able to get from point A to point B. Some people think it was as long as 100 days that it may have taken them to reach their final destination. Think about that. They're traveling with these, these heavy, burdensome gifts. They're leaving a place that is completely known to a place that is completely unknown, by the way. They have no idea where they're going. They have no idea how long it's going to take. All they know is that God has sent them a sign, and so they have faith, and they follow him. A great piece of the story for us to be able to unite with. On those times when we don't know how long it's going to take for us to reach wherever we're going on the faith journey with our Lord, and a point maybe when it doesn't know what it's going to cost us to be able to get there, to be able to take that time and say, Lord, I, I trust you. I know you have put this in my heart. You have put this upon our church. And so because you have done this, I am going to have faith. I am going to follow. This is not always the story of Christmas, though. It's easy for me to stand here today and tell you, just have faith and go through with it, and that's going to that's gonna be it. It worked out for these kings, for these wise men. They're even pictured in the nativity scene, so it's going to work out for you too, right? It's not always the, the story. And I'm sure their journey wasn't the easiest either. But some people, or maybe even our world in general, I think a lot of times looks at the story of Christmas, of that light that is there, and they don't want to receive it. They don't want to hear about a God who reaches out for them. They don't take it in the right way. You don't have to take my word for this. Here's a picture I want to show you today. Uh, maybe before I show you, I was driving to California uh, about four years ago now. Uh, it was right about Palm Springs where I saw this billboard, and it really caught my, my attention. Here's the billboard that was pictured, and it said, Make Christmas great again, and it said, skip church. Make Christmas great again, skip church. And I thought, I thought a lot uh, about that. Obviously, it was done off a very popular uh, political campaign at that time. It has nothing to do with this. They were just trying to make a connection with people. But think about that message with me. As I was driving, I thought, you know, if it would have said, make Christmas great again, Donate clothing uh, to your local homeless shelter. Maybe I could have understood that a, a tiny bit. Or make Christmas great again. Go volunteer at your local food bank or for Habitat for Humanity to, to build a house. Maybe I could have understood that even, even just a little bit. But make Christmas great again. Skip church. What is the message 
that is there. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a message that does go after Christianity, that does go after the church, but really, it goes after Jesus himself. This is where these attacks are founded. And as Christians, we may look at something like this, and maybe you push it aside and say, that's, that's silly or stupid. Maybe you say, that really makes me angry, or at minimum, frustrated. But to be completely honest, this has always been the reaction to Christmas. It has always been the response to Jesus coming to this earth. In fact, it's even there in our text for today when Herod hears this news. He says, when King Herod heard this was, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. That word disturbed uh, that is in the text there means that he was, he was shaken up. It means that he was agitated. Uh, he's super frustrated. Why? Because all of a sudden, there's this competition that is there. Now, the truth of the matter is, Jesus doesn't come to remove Herod from his uh, kingship. Jesus doesn't come to make his life harder. Jesus comes to, to offer Herod and all his people this free gift, but that's not how Herod sees it. And to be completely honest, a lot of times in our world today, that's not how the world or people in our world see it. Jesus being accepted as king means something very different for a lot of people. It means that he is the one that has to lead. It means he is the one we have to give things up unto. And a lot of times in our life, we don't, we don't like that. That's true of the people that were there during that town of Jerusalem announcement, during that time of Herod. It's true for people in our world today. And you know what? If we're really honest with ourselves, even for us as Christians, as believers in our Savior, sometimes even for us too, we don't always like that concept of Jesus being king. We sing about it, we talk about it, and I, I know we, we believe it, but there are times when I think that even you and I think, you know what, I could do a little bit better. I could make my life great again. I could do something to be great again. And so we go through this struggle of being a, a Christian, of being a, a saint, and of being a sinner at the exact same time. This is not a new concept either. It's something that's been around for, for years, even before the birth of Christ. Isaiah puts it this way when he says, And all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts, even the good things we do, are like filthy rags, and we all shrivel up like a leaf, and like when our sin are swept away. Because of our sin, we are just swept away. Right now at my at my house, uh, all of the huge mature trees that I have that look so nice during uh, the spring, during the summer, they're just dropping their leaves everywhere. And they're super high, uh, these trees that I have. And the leaf piles are just enormous. And I was making these slides when I was looking outside at my house, and I was thinking about this verse of how pretty all those leaves are when they're, they're connected to the tree. And now they're out there, and to be completely honest, they're, they're just a mess. They're a nuisance. They're, they're crumbling up. The wind's blowing them all over the place. It's something that has to be cleaned up. And this is what Isaiah refers to when he makes that analogy with us. As long as we are connected to our Lord, we have that, we have that life. We have that faith. 
But when we take those moments in our life to say, you know what, I think I know better today, God. Do I really need to donate my time to this? Do I really need to, to go to church today? Maybe skipping church will give me more time in my life. Do I really need to follow every single one of your commandments? Are you sure that's what you meant right there in your word, Lord? And even for us as Christians, we, we battle with this. And in those moments, sometimes it can feel like God is, is distant from us. Maybe we are the ones making a little bit of that separation. But the truth is that he's, he's always there. And that's the beauty of the story of Epiphany. A God who does seem so distant, or maybe in a way because of our sin, was so distant. He fills that gap for us. This is why he sends Jesus to this earth, so that you and I don't have to be distant from him, so that we can be close with him now, today, and look forward to celebrating that as it comes in our future. That's the royal promise that has been given throughout generations. God makes that promise over and over again throughout all of Scripture. Uh, The prophet Jeremiah uh, brings it up in this way. He says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. All the kings that have ever existed in this world, or all the positions of leadership, have always been flawed. Until this promise that we hear about today comes true. You see, with this promise that we hear about today, it's a promise that's made not just in the person of King David or in his bloodline, but it's a promise that's made to people like you and to people like me, that we get to be a part of the royal promise, that you get to be an heir to what God wants to be able to give to you. And it's a beautiful royal promise for all that our world needs to be able to hear about. Here's that promise. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. We heard about this last week when we talked about the story of the shepherds, that our God's promise is inclusive. You see, God's promise includes all people. And it's something that we as Christians have been given not to keep or to hold inside, but to be able to share with people. You know, the, the history has it that those magi, those kings, those wise men, that they left, and when they went back to the east, they took this message with them to be able to share with others of this great God who sought them out and called them and does the same for others. This is a message that all people in our world today need to be able to hear. The story of a God who comes for people who are, are sinners And for people who are saints, uh, for people who are faithful, for people who who doubt him, for people who are Christians, for people who call themselves atheists, for people who are near, and for people who are afar. Share that world with the people around us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to be a part of this promise, uh, to be one of your heirs, and we ask, Lord, uh, two things today, that you will boldly uh, empower us by your Spirit to be able to share of this great word with the world, and number two, that the people we come in contact with will have open hearts and open minds. 
whether they are near to you today or they are afar, that you will continue to be able to call them, uh, to be able to beckon to them, uh, that you will be able to show them your love over and over again so that at the final day uh, there will be more people in heaven because of the work that you do through us because of what your spirit has come to offer. Lord, we lay all these things today at the foot of your cross as we trust in a God who comes to live, to die, and to rise again just for us. In his name we pray, amen.